So Exodus 12, starting at verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of your doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here with you again, even if there is a COVID epidemic epidemic in our family. Holy Spirit, please teach us. Take your word and make it real for us. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you think is the greatest event in the history of England? Have you studied the history of England? World Cup, 1966. Any other? We were on our honeymoon then. Any more? Oh, 1066. William the Conqueror. So we've got 1966 and 1066. Any other options? Well, they'll do. Today's subject is the greatest event in the life of God's nation Israel. It's the Passover. And it became the foundation event of their nation. They celebrated it once a year, and they still do. It was the night of their freedom, their birth as a nation. The story begins in Egypt. There was no food in the land called Canaan. That was the land to which God had called Abram. But in Egypt, there was plenty of food. Why was that? Because seven years... Because during seven years of good harvests, Joseph was prime minister in Egypt and he had stored up lots of food in the country. And God had told him through the Pharaoh's dream that after the seven good years, there would be seven bad years. So he stored up lots of food. So Abraham's descendants came to Egypt and the book Genesis says they were 70 people, grandfather Jacob his 12 sons who became the 12 tribes, their wives and their children, perhaps there were some daughters, perhaps some grandchildren, 70 altogether, says Genesis. And they were called Hebrews. They spent over 430 years in Egypt. Their life there began very well. They were given the best land because Pharaoh was so pleased with Joseph, who was Jacob's 11th son. 
But then it all turned sour and it became slavery. Over the 430 years, they'd grown huge in numbers so that the Egyptians became afraid of them. There were so many of them. The Egyptians put them to harsher and harsher work, making bricks to build their cities. So, how many do you think there were 430 years after they arrived? Somebody. Ah. <laughs> well, some think there were one million Hebrews. Some think there were just 72,000. That's a bit of a difference. Either way, it's a lot. If the numbers doubled every 25 years, it does work out at about one million. Although the Egyptians were very afraid of the large numbers, Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. The men were Egypt's workforce and they built Egypt's cities. So to keep the Hebrews quiet, quiet, the working conditions were made harder and harder. But God heard their cries. God had always planned to get them back into the land he'd promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So he had a plan. He called Moses to lead them out. Moses had grown up as an adopted prince in Pharaoh's palace, but he was a Hebrew and he was concerned at the conditions his people were facing. One day he saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew, so he waded in and killed the Egyptian. And as soon as the news of that killing got out, he knew he had to flee, so he headed for Midian, which is on the east side of the River Jordan. And there he was, living a quiet life, just looking after some flocks of sheep for his father-in-law, with a wife and two kids, I think, when suddenly God dramatically intervened. Moses saw a bush burning, but it wasn't being destroyed. He came close to it, and God spoke to him out loud, audibly. Moses, I've seen how miserable my people are in Egypt, and I've heard their cries. I'm going to deliver them and take them back to the country of Canaan. I'm sending you to, to bring them out of Egypt, and I will be with you. Well, Moses didn't want to go. He made a lot of excuses. But God didn't give him any choice, so off he went back to Egypt. Fast forward a year or two, and Moses is confronting Egypt's king, the Pharaoh. Yahweh, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh says, No way. Who is this Yahweh that I should listen to him? And this is a battle. A battle between God, Yahweh, or the Lord, and Pharaoh. And God is going to win. So he wears Pharaoh down by sending through Moses a series of nine plagues. And you've had a sermon on those. Eventually God said, okay, now we've reached the turning point and Pharaoh will really let you go this time. And here are the instructions that God gave to Moses. Exodus chapter 12. From now on, you will count this month as the first month of the calendar year 
because it is so important. Every family is to choose a one-year-old lamb with no blemish. Small families can share a lamb. Then on the 14th day of the month in the evening, all those chosen lambs are to be killed, one for each household. And then they're to take some of the blood and smear it over the doorposts and the lintel over the top of the door of the house. And then they must roast the lamb and eat it, eat it with bitter herbs, and eat it with bread that has no yeast called unleavened bread. And you're to be dressed for a journey. So eat it with sandals on your feet and the men with the staff in your hand. And you're you're to eat it in a hurry. This is the Lord's Passover. God says, that night I will go through the land of Egypt and I will kill every firstborn child and every firstborn animal except where I see the blood over the door and on the doorposts. I will pass over there. I will not destroy anyone in that house. All the Hebrew families who have followed my instructions will be fine. And this day will be so special to you that every year and for all future generations you will celebrate it with a seven-day festival. During that week you will eat bread with no yeast. On the first day and the seventh day you'll hold a day of solemn worship and you will do no work on those days. And this shall apply to everyone in the land, whether or not they are Hebrews. So, those are God's instructions. A meal, in a hurry, on the night of the Passover, and a celebration every year of God delivering you from slavery. But what is the meaning of it all? All the Old Testament is leading up to Jesus. The whole Old Testament is a story looking for an ending, says Bishop Tom Wright. And that ending is Jesus. Yes, it is the foundation day of Israel as a free nation, but it has a far, far greater importance. This whole event points to how Jesus has set us free from sin and evil. It points to Jesus. So let's see how this great event points us to Jesus. The lamb. The lamb that each family chose had to be young, one-year-old, and perfect, with no blemishes. How does that point to Jesus? When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, he said, Look, there's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus. Jesus is the perfect lamb who died on the cross as a sacrifice for all our sins. As Isaiah the prophet put it, the Lord has laid on him all our wrongdoing. And St. Peter writes in his first epistle, Jesus himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that free from our sins we might live for what is right. And again, Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous man for those who are not righteous. And just to make the point, 
Jesus died at the time of the annual Passover celebration. He was your Passover lamb, my Passover lamb. He carried on his cross all our wrongdoing. We just couldn't put our wrongdoing right by ourselves. It was slavery to what was wrong. God had to do it, so he sent Jesus to be our perfect lamb, and God put your wrong and mine on Jesus. The Passover lamb pointed forward to Jesus. And when you and I say yes to Jesus dying for us and we ask God to forgive us, he says, it's done. God says, I have passed over your sins. They died with Jesus. They're forgotten forever. And we are free from the slavery of getting our lives wrong and free to live at com with complete peace with God. And that's where you should shout hallelujah. <laughs> it is wonderful. Forty days after his death, God took Jesus to his right hand in heaven. And there he is now, the lamb upon the throne worshipped by millions of angels, and we worship him. And the Lamb upon the throne will judge the whole of humanity. But those who have trusted Jesus will be welcomed into heaven. Their sins will be passed over. And from the Lamb we move to the blood the blood of the Passover lamb was spread over the doorposts of each Israelite home. It was the blood which guaranteed the safety of the family when the angel of death flew over Egypt. It was the blood that gave them the right to be part of God's people going out of slavery to their promised land, God's chosen land for them. And in the same way, Paul writes, once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. The blood on the doorposts gave the Hebrews safety. The blood of Christ gives you and me safety and brings us back to God and safe from the Lamb's judgment. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he is our peace. So you and I are at peace to travel with him through the journey of life because of his blood shed for us. The blood is important. In the Bible, blood is a sign of the life in a person or animal. And Jesus shed his blood, that is, he laid his life down for us. For our wrongdoing, we deserve to die but he died. He shed his life instead of us. And we are so grateful. And so from the lamb and the blood to the Passover meal. The Passover lamb was eaten by each family. God had given the instructions and God was there with them, invisibly present. This meal bound the people to him. God is protecting them. He's building the relationship with him 
that they are to have on the journey and in the land. It is God's meal with his people. The Bible says that this huge crowd, maybe one million, left Egypt by companies. Presumably each company was one of the 12 tribes, descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob. How many have left Ukraine in the last three weeks? Over three million. One million leaving in the Exodus. A huge movement. And that takes us to our meal with Jesus. Fast forward again to that meal. 1,400 years passed from the first Passover meal, but now something new is happening. On the night before he died, before, because, on the night before he died, because it was Passover time, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his 12 disciples. Instead of the 12 tribes, there are now 12 disciples. It's a new phase of God's people. And Jesus says to them, I have wanted so much to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I won't eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Those words show that Jesus, in celebrating the Passover, is looking forward to the day when God's kingdom will be perfectly established here on earth. I won't eat the Passover again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus started preaching, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is breaking in. Yes, breaking in with Jesus, but that kingdom hasn't yet come fully on earth. We still pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Jesus will return and the kingdom of God will come completely on earth. And that will be the complete fulfillment of Jesus' Passover. The prophets said that God would send his Messiah to bring God's wonderful kingdom to Israel. So every year at the Passover celebration, the host prayed, Lord, remember to send the Messiah. But what does Jesus say? He's the host on that Passover night before his death. Does he say, Lord, remember to send the Messiah? No, holding the bread, he says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What has changed? Not remember to send the Messiah, but do this in remembrance of me. He is the Messiah. 1,400 years after the Passover. Don't keep looking for a Messiah. Remember me. Jesus breaks the bread and he gives thanks, saying, this is my body. He's saying that his broken body on the cross is the sacrifice to set us free. He is the lamb there on the cross, killed for our freedom. So the Passover meal, my friends, is now our communion. Share this meal, Jesus is saying, to remember me. It's all about me, 
the perfect lamb and my blood shed. And we read, he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So what is this new covenant? Jeremiah the prophet announced the new covenant about 600 years before Jesus, and it's God's answer to the slavery of sin that we faced. This is what God says, I will write my law on their hearts, I will be their God, they will be my people, they will all know me from the least to the greatest, I will forgive their sin and remember it no more. What is God saying? I will do it for you. Put my law in you, make you my people, you'll all know me, and I will completely remove your, move your sin. But a covenant is between two parties. The covenant between God and us, but what does it say we have to do? Only to believe it. What an amazing new covenant. God says, I will, I will, I will, I will do it. And we simply say, thank you, Lord. God says he will do it all. Covenants in those days were sealed with blood. Now it is the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice, which lets God forgive us completely. And that's why we have it on the communion table. The prophet Ezekiel adds to Jeremiah's promise by saying that God will put his spirit in us and his spirit will give us a new heart that wants to go God's ways and his spirit will cause us to go in God's ways. Amazing. I will do it. So we're going to celebrate in a moment communion, the Passover that Jesus changed it to be. And when we celebrate communion with the bread broken, this is my body, and the wine poured out, this is my blood, what are we doing? We're remembering first that Jesus gave his body and blood as the sacrificial lamb, crucified to remove our sins, do this in remembrance of me. And secondly, we're remembering that in the new covenant, God has said his spirit will change us. We'll have a new heart which wants to go God's ways and will direct us along his path. And do you know, this is not my script, but I remember discovering that verse in Ezekiel when I was a student and realizing that it wasn't up to me to get my Christian life right because God had said he'd put his spirit in me and that would propel me, cause me to go his way. And it was as if a huge burden fell from me, the burden of feeling I'd got to get my Christian life right. My friends, we have the Holy Spirit to propel us in God's direction. The sacrifice of the Lamb carrying away our sins, and the Spirit of God to propel us in the right way. Another way of putting this is that Jesus will live in us and make us different. His nature is born in us, 
And that's the sign that he's welcome in us. We eat the bread called his body. We drink the wine called his blood. It's Jesus in us. And that's what makes us Christians. And we can only share this meal because he died for us to bring us to God. And there are Christians celebrating this communion meal in every land. Isn't it wonderful? Do you like it? Good. Thank you, Lord.